0: Left, right. Hey, it's episode 27 of Sip Talk. Today we're talking about UBI. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Find out for yourself. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Right, we're live. What do you have to drink over there in the
1: library? Um, it's gonna be my typical. Oh wow, it doesn't want to pick that up. I can't see. Right. I uh, see it's Jim a, Beam. Yeah, it's a Jim Beam can. Uh, well, Jim Beam koozie, Milwaukee's best ice. Keeping it light tonight.
0: Ah, is it iced or is it warm? Um, it's in a koozie. Nah, well, I gotta jack the volume. Yeah. So I don't have a drink yet, actually. But welcome to episode twenty-seven. Sip Talk, We're really cruising here. I got to get a drink. I have options here. So I got I um, batch made. This is pretty badass. I batch made Negronis in my French press.
1: Or what's the other option? Uh, and now they're in the freezer, so they're nice. They're almost kind of slushy because it's not a super high up. I mean, it is high up,
0: that, but whatever. So frozen Negroni, or I got some Scotch, which is a winner, or I got some beer or um i think i got a white claw
1: um my vote is scotch 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 scotch
0: white claw scotch or uh beer you going to scotch
1: uh i'm not a huge fan of white claw i don't i don't understand the appeal all right
0: well look you got to hold the camera i gotta get some ice we'll be right back and we will get started
1: all right. Well, for this episode of SIP Talk, we're going to be talking about universal basic income. Justin's been doing a little bit of research on it, and it's gotten a lot more attention in the last year or so, primarily because of the candidacy of uh, Andrew Yang before he dropped out of the race. But now, with the pandemic and a lot of people depending on unemployment income to be able to pay their bills and everything, it's a, an issue that's getting a lot more prominence because we're looking and saying, there are circumstances where people are just not able to work even if they want to. And how are they going to be able to pay their bills? Well,
0: it's wild now that all of a sudden this is super prevalent. Andrew Yang's out and now it's something that's like actual reality. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the unemployment numbers look like or, you know, I think everybody got pandemic pay unless they owed money in their taxes. Right.
1: Um, so the way that the, the $1,200 stimulus check worked was uh, if, you, if you, made Less than it was I think 78 thousand dollars a year, then you got the full 1,200, and then between 78 and I think 99 thousand or so, it phased out. It was like 50 cents on the dollar or so. So if you made between like 78 and 99 you get a partial payment, and I think if you made over about a hundred thousand dollars a year, you got zero. Yeah, zero. Um, and then if you're married, basically double those numbers, <laughs> combine yours and your wife or whoever um, combine' income. the kids, right? What? And you oh, you got $500 five hundred dollars per child. Not bad man. So if you're a family of four, you would have gotten thirty-four hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, that's not that's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, really quick, uh, Derek Rad said he's going to send some pre-made teas from Unbelievable Nutrition, so we can mix with some vodka and tequila. So I am I am down with that. He's got a new that sounds product. cool new shop serving up, uh, healthy, healthy stuff. So got to find out more information, check that out. Uh, but I got my drink, you got yours, I, You know, throw that up there one more time. And I finally, we can see it. So yeah, I did as much research as anybody does in 2020. I watched, uh, some YouTube videos while I did work, which means I didn't watch them, but I half listened to them, um, which is pretty intensive, uh, you know, R and D on my, my end
1: yeah by your standards
0: (laughs) so uh but yeah i i i really have mixed feelings about it i think like any other good idea there's downsides and i think it's something that really needs to be fully comprehended and you know there's some version of of you know the application of the idea it needs to there just needs to be a lot of thought put into it Rather than a bunch of people on Twitter posting hashtags, you know, free money, free lunch, right? Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 the idea of getting free money, I think, is is cool for anybody receiving it, but there's a lot more to it than just getting free money.
1: Well, yeah, and that's what we're
0: going to talk about today. And Andrew Yang talks a lot about the future of different types of careers, different industries in the U S and uh, and, and that's where he really, he gets, uh, he, he makes some really good points, but still, I don't know how to, you know, the roll out the application, where's the money coming from? What's it mostly getting spent on, uh, you know, and what, what I'm curious, what anybody who's watching right now would do if they had an extra, is it, what's he saying? A thousand dollars a month or thousand dollars
1: a week? Um, Andrew Yang, I think, it was on a thousand dollars a month. So it's, thousand so it's twelve thousand a year.
0: So some people are getting a thousand dollars a week with this unemployment pandemic. Uh, mm. No, they are. I, I'm telling you that. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. If you got six, well, not anymore, but like the six hundred plus whatever the other employment unemployments yeah. would have been, probably yeah. got you get right around thousand. Right around a
0: thousand bucks. So we had people getting four grand basically for free. You know, as, as, for the first time in their lives, basically a you know, free regular statement. Um, somebody has said they'd invest in stocks, which I think is, is great, but you've seen a lot of people doing that, but, uh, yeah, well, that's why the stock market, in my opinion, a lot of people's opinion, why the stock market has had a really big jump is because a lot of people are just getting this free
1: money. Why not? That's not the main reason. Retail, retail money hasn't been the reason propping up the stock market. Um, the, a large part of the reason has been the massive government spending, on the, really on the Fed side, in terms of investing, especially on the on the corporate bond markets. Um, you, the retail dollars and- I'm not uh, saying retail them, spending. I'm not saying- No, 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 no. So what I, when I say retail, like the retail market in in um, stocks is people like you and me buying stocks. Okay, okay. That's what I mean by the retail market. Whereas, and then you've got kind of institutional investing, which is gonna be a company like Berkshire Hathaway. Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. any of the big companies that do investment and then you've got government investment and what you've seen a huge increase in is government investment to shore up the corporate debt. That's what Wakas just said. Wakas, well, you heard that
0: talking about government investment. Exactly. Yeah, so I guess I you know there's a lot more to it. Uh, you know, in my world I'm blind to a lot of this shit. I don't know much about stocks. It's just not uh, you know for me I'm not I'm not educated enough on what I'm doing when it comes to stocks that you know, like it's just, it's not an interest of mine and I'm too afraid to lose money. Like I think poker is really fucking cool and yeah, I get it's a game of skill, but like I'm not skilled. I'm probably not putting that money. I might put a couple of bucks in here or there, but at that point, like why I'm bored throwing in fucking four or $7 in a game of poker to just not, not know what I'm doing. I'm bored to throw fucking $37 into the stock market to fucking forget about it. I'd rather regular investments in, you know, some other type of fund or something like that, or put money towards something else. Like that's the stock isn't my thing. And, and everybody's telling me to get onto it. And I, I have been, but still, you know, I put a, 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 some money in, uh, you know, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, whenever we were talking, I don't even remember. And uh, I actually forgot to, I haven't checked it since the last time I, you know, maybe two days before we talked about it last time. It's just, it's not my thing.
1: Well, if you uh, if you start doing it more seriously, and you have a day where you have a big loss, you you start to get numb to it, where when, when the, the pandemic the hit, losses? huh? Numb to the losses? Oh yeah, when the when the pandemic really slammed the stock markets, so I was having days where I was down $1,500, 2000 bucks in a day. Holy
0: shit!
1: Holy shit! That's an, that's insane. and those are small numbers compared to some people out there. But the first day I was upset, and then afterwards I was just like, all right, like this is kind of fun now. But like, what, okay. what, what? What? can you do?
0: Well, so now you got all these people that got some extra cash, and they're they're dropping in the stock market. Um, but the extra cash thing, where's the money coming from?
1: Well, there's a whole bunch of different ideas out there. Um, Andrew Yang's idea was primarily to apply a national value-added tax, which is essentially a, a national sales tax, um, and he also wanted to apply an additional tax to companies that operate in industries that have high degrees of automation. So his okay. favorite his favorite pick was always Amazon, where Amazon's trying to automate more and more. And so yeah. automation's great in a lot of ways, but one of the things that it does is for a job that might have, for, for a warehouse that might have had 500 employees 20 years ago and 1,000 employees 100 years ago might only have, 50 or 75 employees now because they've got automated automated sorters and conveyor belts and robotics and whatever that take a lot of the heavy lifting out of it. And so you have to look and say, the direction that a lot of these industries is going is towards more automation. Even you can even look at it. Um, I know in New York city, it's big, but even down in South Carolina, um, there's fast food restaurants that have gotten away from they where they might have had four or five cashiers, now they've got four or five kiosks in you know, one cashier. You know, you know, my bank here, uh, Office of 7th Ave,
0: right, right near Penn Station, right near Herald Square. Uh, it's a major bank, so you would think they need, you know, it's a busy location, right? Lots of tourists, lots of people coming in out of this bank. You would figure it'd be staffed as much as any bank throughout the country, would be, right? More or less. I would assume a midtown Manhattan bank would be pretty well staffed in comparison to other branches. Okay. And what they did was because they had maybe twelve teller windows. No, probably ten teller windows. And they put like three or four giant ATM machines right in front of the teller windows, which to me was like a fuck you to the you know, to the people that work there and were like on their way out losing their jobs. Like we literally we didn't come up with some other way to like, you know, put these somewhere else in the branch and just keep the windows, because the windows are there. They didn't do any any modifications to uh, any construction, you know, they or you even implant them in the walls. They just covered over the, they put it right in front of the teller window. And it's just, it's a blatant reminder of people losing their jobs because right.
1: of automation. So so Andrew uh, Yang, one of his ideas was the industries that are going through a lot of automation right now, he's saying, look, you're able to profit off of something that you're not being, you're not really returning these profits, in a way that companies had in the past through wages and and <laughs> payroll taxes and stuff like that. So like when you've got kind of infinite scalability and infinite prob- profitability mm-hmm. then we need to find additional taxes on that to be able to make that kind of income a little bit more equitably distributed. And and that's what it comes down to is when you've got somebody like Jeff Bezos, who's worth almost $190 billion right now, people look at that and say, there's something inherently unfair about that. And you can want people to be rich and still look and see that $190 billion is a bit too much. And so, yeah, it would probably be a combination of a value added tax, tax on on industries that are highly automated. And, those are the two main ones. I'm sure there are other ideas for taxes out there, uh, but that was his idea is how to pay for it.
0: So we're, so we're taxing the businesses that are getting that are that are automating,
1: effectively. Yeah. So
0: as automation goes up, taxes on those businesses go up. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an interesting theory to play around with. I think it seems reasonable to me. These companies are saving loads of money. They're saving money on salaries and wages, mm-hmm. and they're making more money because they're able to produce and operate more quickly. Yeah. You know, I just I I'm just waiting for, uh, you know, for things to change. Where like, you know, I hate dealing with uh, like automated answer machines. I hate going to like I was at the airport. I mean, it's been going on for a while. I go to the airport. I sat at a bar for maybe. 20 minutes 25 minutes almost a half hour waiting for a waiter to come up to me at an airport bar and nobody came up finally like somebody came around it was quiet somebody came around like how do you like who works here i know they're open uh, and he goes no, you have to put your order in on an ipad what yeah and you're sitting at the bar every space has an ipad in front of you which probably is fucking bad now because people touch ipads they touch their fucking eyeballs and they get coronavirus but Um, you know, the fact that you, you're not ordering from a waiter, you're ordering from a fucking iPad. I mean, for me, it was, that's frustrating because I, you know, I want to talk to people sometimes.
1: Right. And so I think there, there there's certainly industries that are more adaptable to, to automation than others. But the whole point is where technology is going. Let's be honest. Is there going to be more automation in 10 years or less?
0: Of course, of course. You, you know, Andrew Yang, I mean, you, you talked 25 minutes about freaking truck drivers and how it's harassment. So you can tell truck drivers to get, uh, to get a degree in coding, but if you tell uh, something along the lines of you, tell a reporter to get a degree in coding, that's like harassment and discrimination. Something.
1: Yeah, but how realistic is it for a trucker to say, well, I've been just doing long-haul trucking routes for 30 years. Now I'm going to all of a sudden learn how to like program in Linux that's just not gonna happen same yeah. thing for a coal miner like that's just not what they're going to do
0: exactly Exactly. I mean yeah that, that, I mean that's that's the that's obviously very clear in that counter argument um, which I don't think the argument itself has any, any real basis you know,
1: does, no but- are there some some portion of that workforce that can be retrained sure but the idea that you're going to be able to take somebody has been working in one industry for pr- pretty much their entire professional life and then say, now you're going to do some complete something completely different because we've automated your job. M- most of those people are not really going to know what to do. They're going to want to work in the same thing that they've been doing because one, that's what they're good at. And two, that's all they've known. And if those jobs start to dry up because of automation, you're going to increasingly have a larger and larger, larger segment of the population that wants to work and cannot find it yeah
0: well I think that's I think that's happening so what are you doing with these people that can't find work
1: well Andrew Yang's solution and the universal baking basic income solution is you pay them very little amount of money well that's where you get into the economics of it and the, the debate about how much how much do you pay people and when do you start the phase out so the Economists will always tell you that behavior is always a result of incentives. So you can't pay people, like, if you do this universal basic income, you pay them too much, then they're not going to have any incentive to work. And you're like, all right, why would I have to work if I just get free money? So yeah. you need to have an income level that's set high enough that people can, in some sense, live off of at a very basic level. But low enough that you're still going to incentivize the vast majority of people to work now what you might see is that there might be some people that choose to work less that somebody was working full-time and with ubi might go down to a part time or a three-quarter schedule yeah but you still need to make it so that there's an incentive for the vast majority of people to continue producing but you have to take care of the people that are being left behind through no fault of their own that the industry that they invested themselves in started to automate their jobs away.
0: So but so what happens to these people though? They, do they get more money than the next person? I mean, I don't think that's,
1: that's ever going to happen. So, yeah. And that's, that's a tough question to answer. The, the easy answer is no. Um, one of the proposals that I've seen that I, and I'm going to make some numbers up here. Um, <laughs> an economist could, could do the optimization to figure out where it actually lies. But you basically have you start off with everybody gets twenty thousand dollars. and then once you start, once you make like and um, basically every dollar that you make, you lose 50 percent of your UBI. So if, if, if I make zero dollars, if I don't work at all, I get twenty thousand dollars. If I make ten thousand dollars in wages, then I lose 5,000 of the UBI. So now my UBI is 15 and my wages are 10. So I'm at 25. So I'm better off working than I was not working. And you can play with the numbers however you want to, but you want to try and get a sweet spot where your marginal gains on work are higher than not working.
0: Yeah, but that's,
1: it's wild to like
0: in that marginal area to be working.
1: I, I don't think so because like if I were making 000. if I were making twenty thousand dollars a year not doing anything, it's not hard to make ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And if I were to do that
0: by but working three or four amount, days a week, the amount of hours that you're putting in, you're putting in ten thousand dollars worth of hours, but you're only getting five thousand dollars worth of additional income.
1: Yeah. And what you could also do so that, you know, we got to get out of that range, but
0: in inside of that range where you're losing money.
1: Well, you know what you could also do is you could also make it so that way the first X number of dollars don't take away from you UBI. So maybe the first $5,000 are, there's nothing. So you get $20,000, you can make up to $5,000 a year. So now you're making 25,000 without losing your UBI. And then after that, the 50% kicks in. There's all sorts of different ways to structure and incentivize it. Now, one of the biggest problems is how do you pay for this, which we already talked about a little bit. And um, a conservative objection to UBI is that you're, you're paying people not to work and you're gonna make people lazy. And also it's super expensive. And we already have too much government entitlement programs as it is Um, one counter argument that I throw back on that is we've got we already have a lot of government entitlement programs if we were to have the UBI you could make the case that we could eliminate those programs so what's the need to have Social Security if you've got UBI why like why do we need to pay people twice so you can Take the money that you're putting towards Social Security. Take the money that you're putting towards Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, WIC, some of the housing and urban development, like subsidized government housing and everything. If you're just paying people directly, then they can take that money that they're getting and put it towards what what, what the government would have otherwise been providing. It's one of the biggest tenets of conservatism is personal responsibility. And so what's a better example of personal responsibility than being in charge of your own money.
0: Well, a lot of people are not, I couldn't be very good at that.
1: Well, that's from a conservative point of view, who cares? Yeah. Well, yeah. They, we're, giving we're giving you the tools. If you choose not to well, succeed with them, that's not our problem. But we those don't use, people who are saying who
0: cares care because now they got to do something else on, their, on the other end to clean up somebody else's, you know, bullshit decisions yeah and just to clarify we're talking about only in the u.s um do they do this anywhere else
1: um there's been experiments that have been run in various countries the most prominent example that i'm aware of is in finland or and i think finland and switzerland switzerland that- did it early and they and they found for one that like most people continue to work or only reduce their hours slightly mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think there was one in,
0: like, Georgia, too, in the U.S. Um, oh,
1: yeah, there was, um, there's been some small experiments in the United States. I'm not too aware of their findings, but the ones that I've heard of going up, going off internationally have had generally, like, solid success.
0: Now, like somebody telling me here that, you know, the majority of the U.S. is, is not college educated, which, which is clear. But yeah, I think those are the people that are going to be hurt the most by – your fast food workers, your retail workers, your non-skilled labor workers. Like these are the first guys out. Yeah. You know, I'm holding out, uh, you know, am thinking real estates basically, you know, with what we do in a changing market, we're, we're not going anywhere for a while. Plus, you know, we help negotiate deals. We have broker deals. A lot of times, I mean, I can tell you when they, when an owner and a and a buyer or a, a a landlord and a renter are in contact with each other, the majority of the time those deals die because you know, there's no buffer
1: and people just, you know, people can't. On the, the point of the about the education, I just looked it up. Yeah. So age 25 and over, 35% has a bachelor's degree. 45% has an associate's degree. 61% has some college. So <laughs> like dropping out. Yeah. So like you went, you took a couple classes at the community college or even you were just a college dropout or whatever, but yeah, having completed at least an associate's degree, 45%. So he's right. The majority of the United States does not have.
0: No, Monica, we're talking about UBI, universal basic, universal basic income. Is that what it's called? Basic? Um, which, which is an interesting topic. Um, I and I think it. I think it's. I think it's very simple at first, but like when you really break it down, is it a good idea? Is it not a good idea? But you don't think you're going to see a huge, not a huge, but an immediate spike in day-to-day costs. Like your your cost of milk is going to go up, uh, provided it's not regulated. Your cost of fuel is going to go up, provided that's not regulated. Your cost of everything is going to go up because everybody's got more money all of a
1: sudden. So yeah, the question is well how what effect of it, what inflationary effect does it have um because it's a simple supply and demand if the supply of money goes up, then the value of money goes down, therefore the prices of other goods go up yeah yeah um you'd have to you'd have to look at it as a holistic picture in terms of how much net change in government spending is there because if you were to Use UBI as a replacement for some of these other entitlement programs. Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: Then, then you probably wouldn't see a major inflationary effect because you wouldn't be having a major effect on the overall supply of money. I
0: mean, the, somebody just said they don't think it's a good idea because basic capitalism.
1: Um, and I, well, know, they I need to explain it a little bit more than that.
0: Well, I just I think free. So So two things, but well, you just said that makes sense. You know, if the government's not spending that much extra money, you know we're not having that much inflation just because the government's not spending that much extra money. they're replacing programs. Um, but in terms of free market, and I was gonna reach out to a, a former agent that we had here, and she grew up, I believe she grew up in India, where there's a lot of very lower class, very poor, very poor people, oh, losing the, the stream here. Um, I forgot to put, again, do not disturb, um, but she's, she's very right wing, very, very Republican, uh, you know, and she sees people that just don't, aren't willing to work, don't really do anything, that just kind of, you know, live off of not very much, um, And that in the U.S. you have all these opportunities to work and all these opportunities to earn money. And I I understand that. I think, you know, in contrast to probably what it's like in India, it's it's a lot different here. Um, But as we look into the future where there's so many of these BS jobs that are just going to
1: disappear, it sort of makes sense. I think you have to be forward-looking with this and say, the opportunities that exist today are going to diminish in the future. And some some opportunities are going to be created because of it, but I think that the net effect is going to be overall lower job availability.
0: I I agree. I, I mean I think think your retail jobs, like look at the fucking retail market, look at fucking
1: shopping malls. Shopping malls aren't even open right now because of the 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 coronavirus shopping malls and the the secondary retail market was doing poorly before the coronavirus. Yeah, which the is the coronavirus has not helped, but how it's obvious
0: how quickly people are to just give up on shopping in store. And, and uh, it's just you know crazy that somebody would say, yeah, I gotta try it on before I buy it, and now people are just buying shit and they're buying TVs and electronics. Um, without seeing this stuff firsthand in person and it's, it's just very quickly how yeah you know, it's, it's very quick how this has happened um, I didn't I didn't think that we would see it happen so quickly in our lifetime I figure it would happen very gradually and we would barely notice it but I think it's kind of a slippery slope when it comes to retail businesses closing down and consumer behavior you know why go to why go to the mall to go to one store when you know, seven other places that you would normally visit and shop around aren't even there anymore.
1: Well, and also why go to any retail store? If you know what you're looking for, then why waste the time and the travel and everything to go to a store to pay a higher price for something that you can get online relatively easily? Now, there are certain goods that you really do need to go into the store and see, but like a lot of, a lot of purchases that people are making you, you know what you you're looking for and you can find exactly what you want at a lower price online because online retailers have lower overhead and lower fixed costs than retail stores.
0: They're making less money per transaction. Yeah. I was going to say you, you can't influence people because you don't have like kiosks and, and things like yeah, that.
1: Yeah. But, but you, you they still know. have pop-up ads and they still have. Right. You, you still got web based advertising, but you're, your fixed overhead on an online operation is just so drastically lower.
0: Well, think about, you know, that for whatever reason makes me think of gas stations and you know, you know, down the street from where I grew up, there was, this is crazy to think about. It's a gas station that had one pump. you remember that shit? It was only
1: Stewart's one down the corner of whatever seven and. Was, yeah.
0: So they, they had one pump, but back in the day, used to pump your gas and then go in and pay, requiring that every person buying gas, given it wasn't full service, uh, every person buying gas had to step inside of the store, which then you know you buy a cup of coffee for a buck or you buy some gum or you buy whatever you're gonna buy just because you're there and you're having to spend the you know the 90 seconds to two and a half minutes to go in and buy whatever. But then they started putting the credit card terminals at the pumps. And now a lot of people don't even go inside of the shop.
1: So I probably only go inside a gas station maybe 20% of the time that I stop to get gas.
0: Yeah. So, so a lot of people are not spending that extra money that you would if you were forced to go inside.
1: Well, and the business model for convenience stores is that the, the margins that they have on fuel is actually very low.
0: Well, of course, um, they're making any money, I guess. I mean, they're making some, I assume, but
1: yeah, but very little. The, the the way that they make their money is by the stuff inside the store. But every gas station
0: in Manhattan is going. I'm I'm running low on gas in the bike. I, you know, I get their lights on, and I was going to stop at at the station on my way home today. And I walked by the station, and I don't know what they were doing, but it was under construction. And every gas station I see under construction in Manhattan just disappears fucking two weeks later and it's a parking lot and then it's a fucking 40-story building. So, you know, I know gas, there's no way gas stations are making real money unless they're like a repair shop also. But then they're losing all this space. You know, space is a huge commodity here. They're losing all this space on pumping gas when they could be doing some other shit with that.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: man. I don't know. Uh, the the fucking UBI thing is uh, I don't know I think I think that brings us much more socialistic like much more um, oh. just I mean think about it like that's the direction it's bringing us not that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. it if is if you think there's something wrong with that then there's something wrong with with UBI. But if you don't think there's anything wrong with that and you're cool with that, then then okay. But I think it brings us much more of a, you know, socialist,
1: uh, Well, you have to look at it in this way that as, as the world progresses, I think everyone can agree that automation is going to increase and the benefits of automation are not going to be shared equally. Some people are going to do extremely well because they happen to be in an industry and at the top of a pyramid, where the automation feeds up to them but there's gonna be a lot of people left behind and so you have to say is it right do you, is it best for a society to allow for extremely striated growth and the benefits of this technology to go to a select few that's kind of haphazardly selected or do we try and find a way of taking some of that prodigious growth and bringing it back to other people? That wouldn't have access to it, and yeah. and, and that's a socialistic idea. But yeah. you have to you have to look and say, how fair is it? Every even even as the United States is structured today, there are heavily socialized aspects of our society.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I, I you know after some of the recent podcasts we did, I had myself questioning democracy, where you you know you have this small group being the loudest you know potentially being the least educated making the most noise be the ones that pass bills and pass pass laws
1: yeah because like a couple examples of socialism in the united states that exists today public education is a huge one but medicare medicaid social security food stamps WIC, all of that is socialism and let's just focus on education so if we didn't have public education now most Most schools, now it depends greatly on the country, but I think in South Carolina, the average cost per student is probably about $11,000. So imagine if you're a family, if there's no public education and you've got two kids, that's $22,000 a year that you have to pay to get your kids into school. Some families can afford that, but a lot of families couldn't. So how do we pay for education right now? Well, it's through property taxes. So people who don't have kids are paying for kids to go to school. Like I live in an apartment, and part of my rent, I'm sure, is going to property tax. I don't have kids. I get no benefit whatsoever from the property taxes that I pay. But other people do, and I'm okay with that.
0: You got a smarter person making your subs, flipping your burgers.
1: Sure. The, the, there's certainly ancillary benefits to public education that I, and, but the point is, public education is an extremely socialized good, and so I think there's been a lot of work done to try and make socialism a negatively, con, like a, with a negative connotation.
0: Well, and, I, I actually think I actually think the fucking public school system. I think we're gonna have a lot. There's there's so much challenging happening right now, challenging across fucking all fronts, which is, you know, we talked about a tolerance thing. Like it's, it's good to be intolerant in some respects and and it's fucking, but people need to build their tolerance in other respects, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, them trying to teach evolution theory and creation theory in fucking high school as two theories. You know Yeah, that's
1: a completely separate debate that we're no, we to you know, we go off get, the rails just talking about that. When we
0: get when we the more socialist you, you go,
1: like we have major fucking issues. Just
0: when you get into food stamps like that'd be great. If everybody got basic goods that farms were subsidized by the US and they produced certain goods and everybody got those certain goods, but then you know, you got one person saying fucking uh corn syrup is good for you because, you know, some biblical figure liked corn and then My well, a, a bit of a tangent
1: but my, my whole thing on on the whole socialism debate is that we already have socialism
0: yeah that's well I, yeah we do of course yeah and, I, I agree i don't think i don't think anybody's gonna argue you that, that these different government programs are not socialist type
1: programs. right and so the question isn't whether or not we should have socialism that that's already been answered the question is how should we do socialism in such a way that is the most fair to the most amount of people. Yeah. Well. Because if you privatize everything, think about police and fire services. That used to be privatized, fire departments started off privatized where you would, there would be, you you'd start a company that would have a fire truck or whatever, and you'd have to pay dues like an insurance company to the fire department. And if you didn't pay, then they would, they would watch your house burn down. And like, if you had, it, let's say I had a house next to yours. I had fire insurance through this private fire company and you didn't. If your house started to burn down, I would call you up and say, Hey, make sure my house doesn't burn down next to his, like make sure his doesn't catch mine on fire, but they would stand there and watch your house burn down. Even though we can kind of look at that and say, that's not right to let someone's house burn down when you have the tools to fix it. Yeah. But, Priva- but, privatization but it tools cause money, tools cost are- money,
0: you know? And, and, I could look at downtown South Carolina where you have, I mean, I don't it's been a fucking decades since I lived there, but I just remember so many houses being restored and pristine and then so many houses just being fucking dilapidated.
1: Uh, it's still that way. Um, th- there's been a lot of development. You haven't been here in probably eight or nine years, but um, 2012. Was yeah. But yeah, it's still that way where there are sec- seg- sections of downtown Charleston that could uh, that like the houses look like they were built in the 1700s or whatever and they still look as good as the day they were built and then you've got some houses that were built in the 40 or 50s that look like they were built in the 40 or 50s and nobody even painted them since
0: and they went through a hurricane
1: yes um but yeah so the, the whole idea about socialism is like hyper privatization leads to really inequitable results And the question is, what degree of equity do we want in society? And I don't think anyone's arguing that we should have a society like Soviet Russia, where they try and make everybody equal. Um, But having a hyper capitalist society where everything's privatized and everything has a cost that you have to pay for directly leaves a lot of people out as well.
0: I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be up to us. I don't I don't think it's going to be up to us. I think we're going to have a, uh, Ocasio-Cortez or you know a Bernie Sanders or somebody like that come into power, and uh, and push it, this shit through. Andrew Yang actually is an intelligent guy, and uh, you know I feel like he would do a much better job than the other two
1: implementing something like this. Because I, oh, I completely I completely agree. Um, a smart guy, but. Um, problem with Ocasio-Cortez she does a very good job at some of the things like she's very good at staying on message and bringing certain issues to light but when it comes to anything with an economic bend she's terrible because that's not her training and there some of the proposals because I work in accounting I work in a financial field and like I've got a financial mind and I look at some of her proposals and I just say that that's for example one of, the, one of her ideas is that she's wanting to tax uh, capital gains on unrealized, on unrealized stocks. So if you have a stock that you bought in January, and let's say it went up 400%, mm-hmm. you're not going to have to pay tax on those gains until you sell the stock. Mm-hmm one of her proposals and I don't know all the details of it cause it might be if you're above a certain income level that this would kick in, but uh, unrealized gains would mean that at the end of the year, even if you haven't sold that stock, you'd have to pay the gain that year. So you haven't gotten any cash but from the stock yet. Next year. You could lose
0: next year, but you're mm-hmm. paying a gain this year. Yeah. Which is, which is right so, Oh my God. So you're, you're, that doesn't, make you're, that doesn't but, even make sense.
1: Right, but because it, it well it's it's a you're taxing a non-cash item and require you're requiring cash to pay for a non-cash item the the thing about when you sell a stock and you've got a gain is you have cash to directly correspond to that transaction. You sold the stock you got money for the stock there's a built-in gain there you pay tax on the gain, but because you sold the stock, you have the cash to pay for it but if you have unrealized gains, then you might have a tax bill but no corresponding cash flow to cover it. Yeah. Oh, God. And so it's, it's proposals like that that make me turn off to any of her suggestions when oh, it comes bad, to exactly. economic Why policy. Why are
0: proposing such fucking bad ideas? Because
1: like, to a certain, to, to somebody who doesn't have a background in economics or finance, then they think. I don't think, have a background in economics or finance. I'm, more, I'm not a retarded person. If you, if you, if you just think about it without analyzing it and you say, well, we've got all these people that are making all this money on stocks, they so should be taxed in them more then it sounds like a good idea.
0: If you, yeah, if you end on that fucking period, right, but, be, yeah, it's stop point. Like
1: that's but but to some people. Point. That's all they hear is these people are sitting on stocks that are worth 10 times what they bought them for. Why aren't they paying tax on it?
0: It's like fucking paying people on ideas. Hasn't come to fruition. The fucking ink hasn't hit the paper. Like, what, you know, you're not paying someone yeah. the idea of a book. It could be a shit book. You're paying them on the fucking completed book. And then off the sales of the book. But <laughs> that's real. Yeah,
1: another another idea, and I think Bernie Sanders was in on, a, on this one as well, is um, a tax on, on stock trades, where every time you put in a stock trade, there's a small tax that's applied to the trade, to the order itself.
0: I like that idea a lot better than a lot of other shit. Cause, because traditionally you're paying broker fees. Yeah, but so this and now would be... you're not. That's your automation. That's your Andrew Yang. You're paying. You're paying per transaction on what is now automated, versus paying somebody else to do it.
1: Yeah, my issue with that one is that you're decreasing liquidity in the markets, and
0: there's upsides and downsides. We gotta you know you gotta weigh it, and I don't think that's a bad one.
1: I, don't think I, I, think, I think it's just, a, it, it's almost as bad as taxing on realized gains.
0: But if you charge, but people have been paying for it for decades.
1: Yeah, but.
0: So now that, so now that cost goes away.
1: Right. But the thing is the broker fees that you were paying on like commissions on trades and whatnot, that money wasn't really going to the government. That was going to the broker. Now mm-hmm. the broker might've paid eventually in terms of income tax on on their income. Brokers are still making money. They found like all these, all these trading commissions that have gone away. It's not like the brokers are just all of a sudden going under, they found alternative revenue streams. They're doing just fine. So it's the, the fact that you now have free stock trades for retail investors, doesn't really matter. Yeah, no
0: true. I mean, but, but, but now you don't have as many stock brokers. Not brokerage houses, but actual brokers.
1: Yeah, but all those people that were working as stock brokers, um have uh, pretty much all of them have found jobs somewhere else in the industry. Um, like i'm 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 not at all concerned about the the financial investing career path and the people that work in those markets. Um, the, the 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 revenue that's occurring in that industry is is more than enough to cover the the small loss of the the trading commissions that they that they gain the the whole idea is you you're introducing you're introducing friction into a transaction and these transactions happen billions of times a day and if you decrease the volume of those then you're going to introduce inefficiencies into the market and it's going to be a lot harder for goods to be priced appropriately if you want to generate more revenue from the stock market, there's other ways to do it.
0: All right, look, I'm going to refresh my drink real quick just because I got to run to the fridge. Um, but I uh, just I, I want to add some my final opinion on on the UBI here. Um, you tell me what you think. Let me just grab this real quick.
1: Yeah, fire away. All right.
0: So I, uh, I think basic UBI at a reasonable dollar amount, I like the $20,000 amount. I like the $30,000 amount, although I think it should be based on uh, median income for the area. I think that would make a little more sense, uh, you know, because – you know, I'll give you an example. You know, we're talking about getting unemployment or getting pandemic pay and things like that. My expenses are, are obnoxious compared to compared to, you know, other people that I that I know that are in the industry or just other people that I know that. and some of these people make more money than I do. But my expenses are way higher because I'm running the business. Mm-hmm. So you know, for me to get the same amount of money as somebody else and still be and end up losing money. When especially in my role, I provide a platform where other people can work. It's really, really frustrating for me, and, it, and it's not fair. I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining it's not fair, but I just think objectively it's not fair that I get as much money as somebody else who has no expenses, and I end up losing money still. But I think, I think a reasonable amount of UBI, as long as the cost can be
1: accounted for,
0: seem, seems very reasonable to
1: me. What do you mean by the cost can be accounted for? Well, you know, if we if we start taking it from other government
0: programs, or if we slide on a tax somewhere, um, or you know, maybe if maybe if if the the money I don't I don't know like let's say you get a certain amount of money that's that's tax deductible or something along these lines if you spend it on certain goods like American-made products or something like that. Or, yeah,
1: or, well, then that that's kind of a government subsidy. A commodity subsidy um, yeah the the idea of indexing UBI regionally makes a lot of sense it reminds me of you haven't heard as much about this recently but back when the debate about $15 an hour is a national minimum wage was really hot um, I can understand where they're coming from the problem is that doing that nationally is problematic because $15 an hour in a small town in West Virginia is very different than $15 an hour in New York or San Francisco.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's funny that somebody who lives in Manhattan got as much money as somebody that lives in, you know, rural Tennessee. Right. You know, um, I, I mean, that's, and the, you're not saying, I mean, like you can make the area, and The person in Manhattan is, has more money or makes more money. Sure. But their expenses are also fucking way higher.
1: Right. Um, so, yeah, having a system where you could have some sort of indexing for, for regional cost of living would, would make sense. And the other thing that I would say with when it comes to UBI, because I was doing some numbers before. So you could you could also have it so that it kind of. First of all, not every single person in the country would get it. Like you could make it so that it doesn't apply to children or it applies to children at a much lower amount. So let's say adults get 20,000, maybe the kids get five because what do kids have to pay for compared to adults? No, but so Well, they're not giving the kids that money directly anyways,
0: but parents. Um,
1: yeah, but you could make it. And also
0: like, if we were to go with
1: the $20,000 a year figure again or whatever, first of all, not everybody would be getting the full 20,000 because you'd have plenty of people that would still want to work like that would, that would be making more than enough to cover the UBI phase out. So they'd be getting zero in UBI.
0: Well, let me, let me just ask a quick question. Cause so I got a few people from different countries. Uh, somebody asked me if I, if I'm drinking Foster's or I should be drinking Foster's somebody I'm guessing in Australia, Australia, Foster's um, bad. and if Foster's a good beer, Foster's strong, right?
1: A high alcohol content. Not, not super high. Uh, five or six percent anybody who's
0: watching right now i'm just curious what you think would be a good annual amount of money if there was ubi uh universal basic income what is a good amount of money to receive every year in general twenty thousand dollars for everybody thirty thousand dollars for everybody a thousand dollars a month for everybody what's a good what's a good number um in brazil too um but yeah i mean I, i'm i'm curious what what that amount is and what you know like what rent looks like you know what's 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 that, what do you think the average rent price is in in, in charleston south carolina because it's three thousand for a one bedroom in manhattan it's a one bedroom so that's a single person or uh, or a couple
1: Average rent for an apartment in Charleston is $1,372. Wow.
0: Roughly, roughly, what, a fifth of, a third, I mean, a third of, of what, what you're looking
1: at here. What was the number in, in New York? A little over
0: 3,000, although it probably is dropping.
1: So it's more like 40%. Oh, man. Um, I,
0: I mean, I just remember what we were
1: paying rent uh, you know, over a decade ago I'm paying my rent right now split with a roommate before utilities is 1200 so that's the total it's a gross yeah so wow the, you so got the rent pay on pay. the apartment is 1200 I've still got to pay for electricity and cable
0: and you've got the two-bed two-bath laundry fireplace you got uh, dishwasher. Uh, a dishwasher. You've got a balcony.
1: you got, got a library there. A uh, uh, library? Behind you. Oh, yeah. You've uh, <laughs> <either> the volleyball <laughs>
0: courts, the pool, the tennis courts.
1: Uh, the, the workout center at the next to the office. There's
0: a, there's a
1: gym? There? Yeah, a small little gym. I
0: don't know if I remember.
1: But, yeah, pool, hot tub, all the stuff that you just listed, 1200 bucks a month. For probably it's probably about a nine hundred square foot apartment. I don't really know, but yeah, two bed, two full bath. Yeah, that, so. So take take my apartment. You know what my apartment's like. You've been here. Um, been there for a couple. Take years. that, yeah. Take that. Take my apartment and put it within a, a two block radius of where your apartment is in New York City right now. What would the rent be?
0: I would say, six thousand five hundred bucks, maybe seven thousand. You know, I, I looked at a small two bedroom with a balcony, um, and that was about five thousand, and it was the sickest deal. I was like, "Holy shit, I need to move here," but I just, I didn't, you know, it just it makes it doesn't make sense to spend money on rent for the sake of spending money, right? Because it's a good deal. Like I didn't need, I didn't need the space, so I didn't do it. Now I actually, I fucking regret not having done it because I would have loved. Extra space for an office for guests, balcony, huge balcony, especially in the summertime, being able to go out the balcony, light up a hookah, smoke some cigars, just chill the fuck out it's outside. Sixty
1: thousand dollars a year on rent, though.
0: Exactly, but when the compar when a comparable apartment is another another fifteen hundred bucks, another almost twenty thousand dollars a year.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't right? know. Um. The, the whole the whole concept of rent in New York City compared to, like, LA and San Francisco are having the same problems, San Diego, uh, basically a lot of California. But you know what? So, my brother lives in Sacramento. Yeah. He's got an apartment two blocks from the state capitol, right smack in the middle of the downtown. Okay. Now, it's not a super luxurious apartment or whatever, but it's a pretty prime location, and it's a two-bed, one-bath. He's paying, like, 1400 bucks a month in rent total he might have utilities on top of that, that kind of the gross for a two bed
0: one bath is 14.
1: yeah ballpark
0: that doesn't seem too bad so let me ask you paint the paint, paint illustrate for me the best version of ubi that you can see it right now
1: i like your idea about indexing it to a to some kind of a regional cost of living but yeah the best ubi is going to be I'd say first of all, children get less than adults, and then the exact strike point of what the basic income level is. I think to me needs further analysis than me just saying twenty thousand. But twenty thousand feels about right because I'm I'm taking what the poverty line is and adding in a little bit of cushion because honestly, it's you can't live on the poverty line.
0: And that so. is that is this amount taxed?
1: Um, I would say the way that you, you, you structure the tax code is that if you're getting the $20,000 and that's your only income, then it's not going to be taxed because it's going to be part of your standard deduction. You make, you, 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 make the standard deduction equal to UBI. So that way, if you only have UBI, then that's tax free and you increase the marginal rates to accommodate for the fact that like government expenditures are going to be a little bit higher. So if you start out earning, if you you start out earning UBI by a lot, then your marginal rates are a little higher. Right now, the marginal rates are pretty low. Our top marginal rate right now is um, thirty-seven percent. Nuts. Yeah, but you're making
0: a lot of money at that point. Your, um. Yeah. What's, your, what's the income on
1: that? Uh, if you're single, I think it's like 400, You cross the highest marginal rate once you cross like four hundred something thousand. Um, um oh. 2020 tax brackets. But so you you make it so that um here we go let me since since it just popped up. Okay. Tax brackets for a single 510,000. Every dollar you earn over 510,000 is taxed at 37%. 37.
0: 37 37 and a half. Same thing. but but I mean I think you say 20,000. I think like what I lived down when I lived in South Carolina Was probably after tax right in that 20,000 range. Mm -hmm. Like, legit, think about it. Yeah. Because I was making basically minimum wage when you, you know, when you account for the overtime, maybe a little more. But, uh, that EREC? Yeah. And, uh, those were tough times. Like, I remember, I remember saving $100 of fucking paycheck for months to be able to go buy a fucking winter jacket or something like you know like something along yeah. the lines uh which is just crazy i mean you move to new york city and like you go out for one night and you get a little drunk and you order too much you're like fuck the bill is 450 bucks i mean now like if i go out with some of the guys in here like, yeah, i'm lucky my bill is fucking 450 bucks uh but it's just a fucking different economy but feel right. like with the regularity of the income you can budget that's one thing that i've never been able to figure the fuck out because you know i'll budget month to month over the course of a year but then one year over the other year could be a huge 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 difference especially the the bullshit rental laws that came out last year that that fucking crippled their business after they they came out They they were
1: well yeah so as an independent contractor like you have a harder time budgeting so the ubi helps but so just to answer your question as quickly as possible it's set the standard deduction At the ubi level so that way someone who's making only ubi doesn't pay tax on it increase the marginal rate slightly so that way people are paying more tax on their income um but there's always that floor and you basically you set the ubi level to what the poverty line used to be plus a little bit extra because honestly the poverty line is kind of bullshit now you do need to adjust that for for regional for regionality because twenty thousand dollars goes a lot farther in charleston than does in New York as we've discussed and then you design some kind of a phase out and this is the part where it's a lot harder like I don't I don't have the knowledge to be able to to make this determination but you make the phase out in such a way that it still incentivizes people to work maybe you do 50 cents on the dollar maybe you do 33 cents on the dollar Maybe you have the first five thousand or ten thousand that you earn doesn't go against your UBI. There's there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it, and that's kind of something that an economist would have to study. And I just don't have the the background in terms of doing the analytics on that because you need to have you you need to do like real world economic studies on it. And I don't know if the data is completely out on that yet, but you have some form of a phase out. To make it so that people are not disincentivized to work, there's always going to be a certain segment of the population that's going to be happy with just the twenty thousand. Just how quick you but got twenty seconds before I got to refresh the feed over here. So, but no, that that's that's it. Is standard deduction set the you be at a poverty level? Standard deduction equals that. Increase the marginal rates and design a phase out so that people are still incentivized to work. Yeah,
0: I, I like that, and fair enough. I'm gonna stop this one, Cash, real quick, and then let's let's wrap up a little bit. There's one more thing I want to talk about. I'll get there in a second. Now, let me just refresh this feed. Sorry, guys. Uh, we gotta we gotta refresh this. Right. That ended. Oh, Sucks when it ends. Very sad. Um. So, let me just share with you kind of my idea. You know, you just shared what you were thinking on the on the UBI. And what's ideal, um, I'm thinking – because I, my, my concern is that it costs the government too much money and that we – you know, that we see – like, you know, we're seeing everybody getting, getting unemployment. We're seeing all these additional costs for state governments and local governments. You know, the money that I got from New York City to retain employees – and all these other businesses. Like, that's a lot. You know, these, a lot of these fucking local governments, state, city and state governments, run a shoestring budget. So, and
1: unlike the federal government, they can't run deficits. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not, it's not a
0: possibility. So I'm, I'm really concerned with, like, where different money comes from and where it's being pulled from. And I, I imagine that, like, things must be really, really tough right now. Because, um, because we don't have a federal program that really account for everything. But uh, you know, when it comes to a monthly amount, I think the country would be a better place if everybody got an extra thousand bucks a month. Um, you know, I think. Because I don't think a UBI is supposed to cover everybody's life expenses. I don't think it's supposed to cover housing and food and school and clothing. Like, I don't think it's supposed to cover all that stuff. I think it's supposed to be... Some versions are. It depends. Well, some versions. But my my thinking of, like, how it's going to work is not going to be... It's going to cover your... Like, there still has to be some incentivization for people that do right and and that and you know that's my thinking like there's gonna be a lot of people that are doing next to nothing who are gonna make this money and I, i i'm just i'm really curious if we see a more more segmentation of class with ubi or if we see it it kind of mold and we see a little more middle class. That's I, a good question. I well, think we're going to see, I think we're going to see a more segmented. I think we're going to see more people that cling on to this low amount and do stupid shit with it. Um, but I could be wrong. Cause I can also see the converse like where the, you know, people invest the money and do smart stuff with
1: it. Well, the problem, the problem with investment is that investment doesn't lead directly to to economic activity like consumption does, so if you've got these people that are doing nothing with the twenty thousand dollars, the worst thing that they that they can do with it, from an, an economist's perspective, is to save it. What what you want those people to do with the twenty thousand is to go out and buy shit.
0: Exactly, exactly. But I, I think you know if if you just flipped a switch in my life, I don't think I would. And I just was getting a thousand dollars. Just same thing with like uh, pandemic payers or whatever it was we got. I, it had literally zero effect in my life, in terms of what I was doing. Was it an extra twelve hundred bucks in my bank? Yeah, hell yeah. And what did I do with that? I would probably put it towards rampers you know, fucking advertising marketing. One of the fucking databases that I, I spend fucking two grand a month on, to, you know. Uh, but it, it didn't. It didn't affect me. But I feel like a lot more people would be affected. They they wouldn't work as hard. Uh, but it's not going to be enough money. I think that's why I think $1,000 a month is a regular amount. It's not being paid weekly. It's being paid monthly. And people will behave differently with that amount of money.
1: Um, Well, for sure. Yeah. UBI is going to change behavior. It's really a question of how drastically does it change?
0: Yeah. yeah. So um, really quick, uh, I wanted to touch on – just quick subject because I want to I want to wrap in a minute and I want to talk about maintaining productivity during during coronavirus during quarantine during different chip being shut down. Somebody just asked me about that. I told them I would touch on it. Um, do you feel that you stayed just as productive, if not more productive, or if not less productive over the course of the last four or five months?
1: Slightly less. Slightly less for real. Yeah, especially when I was when there was about a month long period where our firm didn't mandate working from home, but strongly encouraged it. And for the first week, it was great because I'm like, sweet, I can sleep in an extra 30 minutes. I don't have to worry about work clothes. I don't have to drive to work. I can cook here. And, but the problem for me is that like, I don't really have a dedicated workspace. So, having just desk space to lay out my papers because a lot of what i'm doing but you don't is- have
0: we've we've seen your desk hold on one second hey guys <laughs> any, i'm gonna ask for some questions some some uh viewer feedback in just a second if you're watching this don't go anywhere i, I want your questions i want i want to hear what you're gonna say i want to answer this stuff james gonna be listening so don't go anywhere um Hold those questions. Give me, give me two minutes. Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, you, what I'm, I'm, I'm gonna—I've right. got all these
1: other distractions, not just not having the proper workspace set up. Because like, I'll have to use my bed as like my desk. So I'll turn around, do work on that, turn back around, get on the computer. But also like, my computer's where I play video games and watch movies and stuff. So like, I'll just be like, oh, I wonder, like, I could play a video game right now. <laughs> or it, it's just any I'm little distraction. Less productive. Oh. I was good for the first week. And then after that, I like, I felt my productivity dropping. And then I actually, even though they didn't want me to, I started going back into the office. I just said, I'm, I'm going to be here. And they said, all right.
0: I feel like I have been so much more productive. I, I, during the most part, I am super for the most part of what I do day to day. Like I'm super reactive. I am literally just a cog. I'm a fucking gear and I'm just doing, like, I'm de- dealing with what happened. But when I don't have that, coming at me type of force like I should I got to deal with all day long I get creative in the sense that I don't fucking sit still like I'm I'm a really difficult person to date and want to fucking lay in on a Sunday morning because I'm up lately I've been up so fucking early like I get up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm like oh, fuck like I gotta, gotta lay here for another you know I've been waking up at five thirty. going fuck this is too early like there's nothing for me to do And I'm going to be tired later, so I need to sleep like another half hour, another 45 minutes. Um, But it's tough to do. And if I don't fall right asleep, my brain starts fucking running. Like, "Ah, I'll get up. Um, But I've been doing all this shit to, like, keep my mind active and and stay busy. Um, You know what I started doing really early on? Because I, I had all this extra free time in the office Was sending people video messages on their birthday. And I've gotten a hell of a lot busier, but I really enjoy doing that. Like, that's a that's a new thing I'm definitely going to stick with, is just doing these, these video messages. But I told you about the candles.
1: No. And so – Maybe you, you briefly mentioned it.
0: So what I started doing was making candles. I, you know, we talked about this before. Um, I started cutting wine bottles in half and filling them with wax and buying some really nice scented uh, different uh, – different oils, fragrance oils and stuff to go in the candles. And I'm working on branding. What I really need is somebody to help me with fucking branding. So if anybody's paying attention, somebody just said, I sound like cancer. I'm <laughs> not even a fucking smoker. You sound like cancer. Um, but I really need somebody to help me build this logo. Got this great idea. I've Got a vision, but it's just not. I can't picture in my head what I want for a logo. So it's really. Because you're good. not a particularly
1: artistic person.
0: I am zero artistic. Like, like literally, you know, fucking drawing a connect four is difficult for me. Like, you know, I can't color within the lines. Like, I don't have any fucking patience. I'm not creative. You can give me an outline. I'll come up with some cool, some cool shit. But like, creativity is not, not what I got. So, but I need help with this logo. Um, but yeah, productivity for me during the pandemic was like, it, it was like fucking double. I built two different websites during the during the pandemic, which is crazy. Like, I'm not a fucking web designer. Um, so and I actually have a, I have a, a, a Zoom meeting tomorrow to potentially start a real estate school. So I'm gonna, I think that'd be fucking awesome. It'd be great. Yeah, that would be fun. Be great funnel for new agents, and I'd also be able to like. Teach people fucking real world stuff. It'd be like a learner, a, you know, drivers, drivers' ed class, where like I actually teach you about driving, even though you haven't stepped foot in the car yet. You know, getting the real estate license is a lot like getting your permit, where you're not, you haven't driven yet. And then like you show up at my office and you're like, hey, like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a race car driver. I'm fucking NASCAR man. I'm Indy 500. Like you know, you only have the license right now, so like you actually, like that's only in your head.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna watch you spin out in the first turn.
0: Exactly, but but um, it would be cool if I could be a bit more hands on with these people in terms of teaching them and getting them the permit, getting them the license, a real estate license and um, So look, let me uh, let me just hit some comments real quick. Hi from Germany. We got Australia, Germany, Brazil. Uh, oh, that's great. TikTok is fire, actually. I have to say. Um, let's see. Uh, somebody did. All right. Hit me on the logos. But if you guys have questions you you want us to answer, um, uh, something about my horoscope. Oh, thank you, Tori. I appreciate that. Something about cancer, meaning meaning the horoscope, not I sound like fucking cancer.
1: Oh, well, I am.
0: You have cancer? No. Are you are cancer? Yeah, yeah no surprise. I'm, I don't know shit about horoscopes. I think generalized... Uh, Stereotype
1: uh, horoscopes, or uh, I I put no weight into astrology. Well, I agree with them because they're mostly right. Yeah, because they're written in, a in such a way broad, that they're right for everybody. In a very broad uh, right.
0: <laughs> broad. Um, uh, just got my VA license before COVID. Um, I'm going to DC, we get Tory tells me I don't actually have cancer. Airplane scented kind of candles. What is that like? Fart and, and...
1: <laughs> disinfectant.
0: And what is what, what what does an airplane smell like?
1: Kerosene. No, does jet like... fuel is kerosene.
0: No, nah, yeah, but you don't smell that in a
1: fucking plane. You do when you first get on. Do you when you're
0: getting on? Maybe it's in the air because they refuel. What do you smell on an airplane other than farts? Funny thing, I listen to this, I listen to so many podcasts now. There's no podcast where they're talking about masks being the anti-equivalent of farts. So basically, you wear a mask. Not wearing a mask is like farting. So like if you're on an elevator, you don't have a mask on. It's a lot like it passing passing gas. You know, like elevator is the
1: best place to do it. You got to captive audience.
0: It's disrespectful to pass gas on, a, on an elevator. You're around other people. So you know, if, if you pass gas and you know, somebody is turned off by that, that would be a good time to be wearing a mask. If you're not wearing a mask, you you are a prick. You're gonna fart in the fucking elevator. You know. Sometimes I get on an empty elevator, I'm like, Oh, should sure, I you know, I'm about to fart, like I'll just let it but I'm like, ah fuck, what if this shit opens on like the fourth floor? Somebody else gets on. <laughs> I get on blame it
1: at the guy before you.
0: Yeah, yeah, the guy you got over at six. So you're, you're motherfucking. Like I, I sorry, I'm not interacting that much with fucking people in an elevator. But yeah, every once in a while I get in an elevator and it fucking reeks. I'm just like, fuck. I hope this shit doesn't open up to somebody else and they think it's me that reeks. Well,
1: that's your excuse from here on out.
0: That's my excuse. Um, let's see what else we get. Uh, Venezuela. We got Venezuela in the house. Um, smells like a house cleaned up for a long time. Stagnant. Uh, they smell everybody's smell musty, yeah. When was the last time you flew? Is it a good time to move to New York City as a renter? Yes, it is 100%. You will get the best deal. Send me a DM. Uh, but definitely when it comes to renting New York City now, is probably the best time I've ever seen.
1: But is there down? Is there serious downward pressure on uh, rent right now?
0: No. There, the rent is not moving. We should we should actually talk about this next podcast. Rent's not moving. Reason is if the rent for an apartment is three thousand, somebody moved out, there paying three thousand. Landlord wants landlord wants three thousand, probably wants thirty two hundred because they're used to it going up. The issue is the landlord's not ready to take twenty five hundred. The building value is based off what the rent roll is, the rent roll being the monthly rent collection. Um so if they want to refinance or if they want to sell the building, the building is only worth what they hold leases for for a monthly rental amount, right? You understand okay. that? yeah so that's the reason landlords are really reluctant to drop prices. However, right now, and some are dropping prices, but not very common, right now, they'll give you two months free, or they'll pay the broker fee. Um, so there's a lot more incentives out there to keep the rent at the same price
1: so they'll keep the rent the same price but they'll add in something else that's nice so that way they can keep the rent roll in a place where it represents value for the building but you're still getting a deal as a renter
0: yeah because a temporary vacancy doesn't doesn't affect the value of the building where if they sign five leases in one building for some bullshit 70% of their regular rent and they're locked into that shit for the next 12 years they're fucked Right? These, are their, their, these are their fair market, effectively. You know, they come out; they're not super rent-regulated apartments. But we had a law that came out last year that actually fucking makes it really difficult to increase rent, which sounds like a good thing. But like, I think the max they can increase the rent is like eighty-three dollars a month. So when you have an apartment that somebody's lived in since nineteen eighty-three, they move out, and the fucking place is destroyed and it needs a gut renovation. No landlord is going to do any fucking work to that apartment to only increase the rent by fucking eighty-three dollars a month. Yeah, Um, you know, in a year, in a year, they're making fucking thousand dollars extra. They put fucking a hundred and thirty thousand dollars for the fucking renovations. They're going to wait fucking hundred and thirty years to regain their fucking loss. I don't think so. Well, ship, that, it's a shit though.
1: That, that, well, that's basic economics too. Though it's if you have if you have a price ceiling, it. it it leads to a shortage because it means that eventually inventory will get taken. If if I can only charge so much for a certain piece of inventory, if I'm starting to look at that as a loss, I would rather take it off the market than lose money on it. Yeah. And it it decreases supply in the market. And if if price can't increase to to correspond to the increased demand, then you just end up with a shortage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, somebody's telling me uh, they can negotiate with cleaning snow or taking out the garbage to get a better price on rent. That is not the case in New York City. Definitely not the case in New York City. Um, somebody else talking about flying Southwest or moving to New York City, but uh, but that's all I got for right now. Unless somebody's got a quick last minute question, I'd love to hear it. But uh, I think we'll wrap up. With jury still out, in my opinion, jury still out on UBI. Basic UBI, I think, not a bad idea. But we still got to work it out. We need somebody with a good proposal. We need somebody popular that people are listening to. Unfortunately, not Andrew Yang, because people looked at him thinking he was never going to be president, a lot of people. And it was just an idea that was going to pass. And it wasn't a real serious, serious thing.
1: I think Yang was ahead of his time. I don't think we've seen the last of him.
0: I I agree completely. So uh, uh, that's it.
1: Thank you, James. All right. Until Thursday.
0: You officially made it to the end. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for liking this video. If you did, and if you didn't, thank you in advance. All right. See you guys.